1: Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Wednesday the 29th of March. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. Labor's key climate policy is set to pass after both Labor and the Greens reached a compromise in their negotiations this week. The government's claiming this reform will reduce 205 million tonnes of greenhouse gas emissions between July, when it starts operating, and 2030. The bill doesn't go as far as the
2: Greens initially wanted. Negotiating with Labor like negotiating with the political wing of the coal and gas corporations. Um, Labor seems more afraid of the coal and gas corporations than climate collapse.
1: But on the flip side, according to the Coalition, it goes too far.
2: They're drunk with joy about having done a deal, but it's going to be the Australian people that cop the hangover of this.
1: So what will the legislation actually do and does it go far enough? Tom's going to join us in the deep dive today to discuss it all, but first, Sam, the stories.
3: Big day for New South Wales yesterday, Chris Minns was sworn in as the New South Wales Premier after the Labour Party won Saturday's election. Minns was sworn in by the New South Wales Governor along with some members of his new cabinet, including Daniel Mookie as Treasurer and Prue Carr as Education Minister. Labour still remains short of reaching a majority in the New South Wales Parliament, with many seats still yet to be decided.
1: An investigation that could lead to a class-action lawsuit against Latitude Financial Services over this month's cyber attack has been launched. The cyber attack resulted in the theft of almost 8 million driver's licence numbers and 6 million records, including personal information of customers. It'll investigate how the hack occurred and what safeguards were in place to stop the cyber attack from actually happening.
3: Hamza Youssef has become the leader of the Scottish National Party. He's the first Muslim leader of a major political party in Scotland. He replaces the outgoing Nicola Sturgeon, who announced she was stepping down as leader earlier this year.
1: And the good news, a soccer match played in Rome has broken the record for the highest attended female match in Italy's history – Almost 40,000 people attended the Champions League quarterfinal between Roma and Barcelona earlier this month, with the home side going down 1-0 to their Spanish opposition. Tom, thanks for joining us from Parliament House. It has been a big week and it's only Wednesday. Thanks,
0: Zara. Good to be here and apologies once again for the noise of democracy that you might hear in the background (laughs) of my recording today. And it has been a big week, Zara. In particular, climate has been the focus this week. Last week, I suppose it was The Voice. This week, the Greens have agreed to support Labor's key climate bill after they negotiated some changes Uh, and effectively that guarantees that it's now going to pass into law. Uh, It's a bill that's designed to make Australia's biggest emitters reduce their emissions over time by changing something that's called the Safeguard Mechanism.
1: If I was a person that came up with a name for policies, Safeguard Mechanism wouldn't be up there (laughs) with the names (laughs) that
0: I would put there. Yeah, it's not exactly the most glamorous name in the world, Zara, and I should once again apologise for a particularly loud democracy noise that I can hear in my ear at the moment, which is a bell that's summoning the Senators to the Chamber. So apologies if you can hear that ringing. Hopefully it will stop soon. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people care about climate change, but then when you get into the details, it can be, you can get a little bit lost in all of these kind of technical mechanisms and mumbo jumbo. I I think the best place to start with this is that like all we're really talking about here is just a price on emissions. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's one of the big things in the climate policy space. You want to get emissions down, you either kind of force that through, you know, force people to emit less, or as a lot of countries have done, you just put some kind of price on it. And Australia, in a sense, has been debating some kind of price on emissions for well over a decade for most of my life frankly (laughs) and this one is basically you know a new Labor government has come in and they've identified a way to reshape this thing called the safeguard mechanism which was introduced by Tony Abbott years ago into effectively a price on polluting and so it will work for just over 200 of Australia's biggest polluters who collectively account for about a third of our emissions. And they will basically be set baselines. And the baseline is how much you're allowed to emit in a particular year. And if you go over that effectively, you have to pay. And the idea is that those baselines will then decline every year um, by about 5% and that you will reduce emissions in that way. And so the way that you have to pay, essentially, you've got a few options. You can either literally pay a legal penalty if you overshoot your carbon baseline as a big polluter or you've got some other options if you ever come under budget you generate some credits you can buy and sell those credits so a business that is going to pollute too much can buy up some credits to kind of make up for that Um, and there are a bunch of other kind of exceptions in the system that allow businesses to meet their requirements, but the basic architecture of what the government is proposing is this series of baselines that kind of get lowered over time. That That's essentially what we're talking about here. Um, hopefully that makes slightly more sense than the phrase safeguard mechanism. And the government says that this is really key to its emissions reduction targets. So the government is targeting a 43% reduction in emissions by 2030. It's 43%, and they say that without this, they'd only get 35%. So it's a significant chunk of the way that the government wants to meet its emissions reduction targets over the next few years.
1: And so, Tom, the reason that this has been in the news so much is because there's not this blind agreement in this idea behind the safeguard mechanism. Not everybody who wants action on climate agrees that this is the best way forward, right? So what's been the point of contention here?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, as always, different political parties have different perspectives. Uh, The coalition dealt themselves out pretty quickly. They just opposed this. They say it's going to be too costly on businesses and and they weren't really interested in any sort of discussion. That left the government focused on the Greens and a few independents. uh, Can I just stop you
1: there, Tom? Can you just explain why with the coalition out, Labor needed to turn to the Greens and the rest of the crossbench in order for this to pass?
0: Yeah. So essentially that's because of the numbers in the Senate. So the government uh, you know, To pass a law, you've got to get through both houses, the House of Representatives and the Senate. The government has a majority all on its own in the House of Representatives, so it doesn't need anyone. But to get something through the Senate, um, it needs either the coalition or the Greens plus two, basically. And so they've had to negotiate with the Greens plus two. And um, the Greens and independents had a few concerns, mostly around some of those exceptions to the rules that I alluded to, so the first issue is the credits that I mentioned earlier. So there's this ability to buy credits to make up for overshooting your baseline. And there was some concern that essentially the ability of a business to do that under the policy is effectively unlimited. In theory, a business could just sort of buy enough credits to, to pollute as much as it likes and essentially you know avoid any requirement to meaningfully reduce its emissions. That was concern number one. Concern number two was based around the idea that Every business under this scheme gets their own baseline and that could be a bit of a problem if you have more coal and gas projects coming on, more big polluters coming on. Because if everyone gets their own baseline and you get a whole bunch of new coal and gas producers coming on with their own baselines, well, the total number of emissions that you're getting out of that is getting bigger and bigger with each new coal and gas project. That essentially, if, if Labor were to allow new coal and gas projects, as they say they're open to, that that would undermine the emissions reduction benefit. So they're the two kind of holes that the Greens and independents had concerns about.
1: And those concerns were made very clear by the Greens to Labor um, so what happened on Monday? Talk us through the press conference that you were at.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's been bumping on for weeks, really, Zara. And and I guess, as I mentioned, the Greens have been very strong on the idea that they want the government to stop all new coal and gas mm-hmm. projects. And that's something that Labor has been pretty clear that it is not going to consider. Um, and at times that sticking point has made negotiations pretty tense,
2: Labor seems more afraid of the coal and gas corporations than climate collapse.
0: This is Adam Bant, Leader of the Greens, speaking at that press conference earlier this week. Uh,
2: Labor seems more afraid of Woodside than global warming. And I guess it was pretty clear that
0: this wasn't going to shift. Labor wasn't going to say no to any new coal and gas projects. They say that gas in particular is going to be needed in future to secure our energy supply. There wasn't going to be any movement there. But there has been some fairly significant movement. So essentially, the government has agreed to, I think the best way to put it really is to plug some of the holes that the Greens and Independents were concerned about. And the first way that they're doing that is with a total cap on emissions. So I floated this idea before that one of the issues that the Greens had with the scheme was that there wasn't kind of an overall budget that that everyone had to share. Well, now there is. So now the government has said that over a five-year period, They will set into law the number of emissions that are supposed to be reduced by this program. And if it looks like that's not going to happen, the climate change minister will then have a legal requirement to change the rules, to be stricter on businesses, to force them to reduce their emissions even further. So, for example, it might be able to crack down on businesses' use of credits, uh, or it might be able to crank down the baselines even further, or it might be able to say for a new coal project, this coal project has to have zero emissions and effectively effectively ban new coal and gas projects if it looked like we weren't going to get the emissions benefit that the government's promised. So from the government's perspective, they're able to say, well, this is the same policy. You know, we said we were going to reduce emissions in this way and we're still doing that. From the Greens' perspective, it's been tightened significantly to make sure that what is promised in terms of emissions reduction, that there are some teeth in there to ensure that that will be delivered.
1: Okay, so Tom, the Greens have announced that they're supporting this legislation. What happens now? You mentioned that there were also two other independents that had to support the bill in order for it to pass through the Senate, right?
0: That's right, and and that's going to happen now. So the bill should pass into law pretty easily with the support mm-hmm. of the Greens. And they'll, in fact, not just get plus two, they'll get plus three. So the Jackie Lambie Network and um, Independent David Pocock have both said that they're willing to support the bill as well, which means effectively with these changes that it will pass through the parliament, which was seen certainly by the government um, as a victory.
2: Today, we're a big step closer to passing the safeguards mechanism reforms through the parliament. This is Minister for Climate
0: Change and Energy, Chris Bowen, speaking at a press conference earlier this week.
2: We're also, therefore, a big step closer to achieving our targets of net zero and 43% by 2030.
0: And even though, as you heard before, Leader of the Greens Adam Bant had some criticisms for the government, uh, he also sees the compromise that they've reached as a victory.
2: What I want to say to everyone who despairs about the future under a climate crisis and who's worried about their lives or their kids or their grandkids, you should have a spring in your step today because we have shown that it is possible to take on the coal and gas corporations and win.
1: Tom, I feel like it would be remiss of us to have a discussion about a milestone in Australia's climate policy without, of course, acknowledging what we heard from the IPCC report that was dropped last week, that emissions reduction policies around the world don't go far enough.
0: Well, yeah, I I guess it's an interesting Contrast for that reason, Sarah, I mean, everything that we hear coming from the United Nations and from global climate experts, I guess, is um, continually stark and continually clear about the challenge we face. The UN Secretary General is pretty strong on the idea that no new coal and gas projects anywhere across the world can be built and pretty kind of stern about how the world is bracing for disaster. Generally speaking, at these climate summits, most of the world agrees that it would be good to limit warming to 1.5 or 2 degrees But the messy part is countries putting those commitments into practice. And the way that we're getting climate action worldwide is relying on parliaments of countries all over the world to pass laws to actually deliver on their emissions commitments. And we know probably better than anyone else here in Australia how messy the politics of that can be. Whether they would use these words or not, I think Labor would on some level recognise that the policy that they've offered here is probably not what they would have come up with in a perfect world. It is a slightly compromised climate policy. I mean, they picked something that Tony Abbott put in and tried to kind of reshape it into an emissions reduction mechanism. So in that sense, it's kind of, I guess, not in their first best world. Um, There was an independent MP I heard about a week ago who I think put it really well that the, the best outcome she saw for this process, I think it was Allegra Spender who said this, was everyone ends up a little bit unhappy, but with a degree of unhappiness that they can live with. I think that's a good way of putting it and a pretty good summary of what's happened in the Parliament
1: this week. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Zara.
3: joining us on the daily oz this morning if you learned something from today's episode don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a tda episode waiting for you every morning we'll be back again tomorrow until then have a great day